Good evening. How are you guys? Hey, do you guys feel that? Like, am I the only one that's kind of feeling a little pre-camp energy? Right? Is there, is there like a buzz in here right now? Just a little like, a little, all right, all right. I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. Listen, I, um, I'm, I'm going to go through for the next few minutes and uh, we're going to do what we've been doing every week, right? And so for those of you who aren't, uh, if this is your first time at Citizens, Welcome. Glad to see you here, all right? For the last several weeks, we've been going through the book of Philippians. And so just a little orientation. You're like, why does this youth group set up their stage so weird? Everything has meaning, all right? This is not the way my bedroom is set up at home, okay? It is much less random. But right here, we have a table. That's where you put food. Um, no, no, no. The table was an illustration that we did several weeks ago to talk about when Jesus saved us, he brought us together, right? And so all throughout the book of Philippians, we see this word participation. We're participating in a meal together. And as a matter of fact, I feel like a proper way to start off the sermon tonight. Amen? Right? Can I get an amen? <laughs> yeah. Just got spiritual in here. I think the way to start off our sermon illustration tonight is by demonstrating participation. So who would like to participate in the family of God this morning? Isaiah, come on, man. Dude, did you guys see what he just did? Did you see what he just did? He just did the typical third grade thing. When the teacher's like, I'm gonna pick on somebody who's sitting really good. He sat up really tall. He folded his hands. He goes, and he got the halo face, right? He put on the face as if he had a halo. I will participate in the supper, right? Well, you win, bro, you win. Give it up for Isaiah, right? Boom. I need some high schoolers. I need, where are my high schoolers at? Yo, Sperling, come on down. The price is right. All right, give it up for Sperling. Boom. Hi, right here, right here. Let's go. And let's go. We need a girl. Oh, my bad. TSAP, I was so close, but we need a girl. Right here, Anna. Let's go. All right. I'm a girl. I'm a girl. What? How far will you go for cookies, right? Oh, man. Not that far. I'm not going that far. And so here's what we're doing. I'm coming your way, girlfriend. I'm coming to you, right? Papa squat. Pop, Papa squat. Papa squat. Get up. Get up. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down, right? Get up. Get, 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 sit down. Sit down. Come on, all right? And so, listen, the title of my message today, title of my message today is The Key Ingredient. The Key Ingredient, all right? That's actually French. It means the key ingredient. And so here's what, tough crowd, oh my gosh, I don't speak French. Like, he's so wise. So here's, here's what I've realized. I got married four years ago and what I knew how to make was Velveeta shells, anybody? Yo, I go down with Velveeta shells, right? Velveeta shells, I can make a mean Velveeta shell, singular. Um, scrambled eggs, any scrambled egg connoisseurs in here? You come over to my place, I will hook you up, man. Scrape with cheese, right? I can make scrambled eggs. And I made a mean, 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 mean grilled cheese. You know what I'm saying, right? Grilled cheese, right? And so when I got married, my wife taught me something that I never really like, it kind of blew my mind, you know? I just get emotional. She taught me that there's some meals that actually require more than one ingredient. Every dude in here go, wow, right? That's what I'm saying, right? And so I'm like, I never had to read instructions on how to make ham and cheese, because those are the ingredients, right? I never had to read instructions on Velveeta shells. It's literally 
the box of shells and the packet. I mean, it's right there. But she like has these apps and she's like blue apron and fresh something and, and shopping list. And she's like all these ingredients. Like I understand that you can buy spices, but when you got to start putting things together to make your spices, how many people know I go time out, right? Time out. That's not how it should work. If it's not on the shelf, why are we doing it? We have to make our own garlic powder. They sell garlic powder. You know what I'm saying? And so anyway, that's where I'm going. Where I'm going though is, as I've realized the importance of ingredients, my wife sends me to the store. Uh-oh is right. What do you mean uh-oh? Right? Uh-oh. Yo, she sends me to the store. And here's what I'm thinking, right? Here's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I could get everything on the list if it's easy enough. But how many people know sometimes you're in a rush, you gotta get home, the game is on, you know what I mean? You gotta, and it's like, I'm not trying to play Easter egg hunting here, you know what I mean? If you want me to have it, you should put it on the shelf. And so sometimes I make a judgment call and I say, you know what, that ingredient isn't necessary. It's not necessary, right? What, what's that face for? They just looked at me like I was a monster. I hate you. I hate you, Sam. No, sometimes, sometimes I just feel like certain ingredients are not a big deal, right? And um, yeah, we're just gonna put that theory to the test today. Can we put that theory to the test? And so here's, here's what it is, right? It's, it's true. Sometimes I go to the store and I forget certain things and my wife says to me, you know what, that's not a big deal. That's not a main ingredient. That's not a key ingredient. And then there's other times where she looks at me like, and the only look I can, I can like summarize her face is like, are you even human? Like, who does not think you need Parmesan for the Caesar salad? <laughs> I'm like, babe, are you serious? What? Come on, right? So anyway, I made something today. And I did, I'm going to be honest, I did forget an ingredient on some of these. Um, but anyway. <laughs> Let's wait till we partake together. There's not arsenic in here, I promise. Hey, wait, 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 wait. They're not, there's nothing gross in these cookies, I promise. I know I'm, I'm making it up. But listen, there, I got two more. Who I gotta eat one? Oh, yay, okay. He got the halo face on, he's got the halo face. All right, here we go, buddy, here we go. All right, everybody say the key ingredient. Say the key ingredient. Say the key ingredient. No, say the words, the key ingredient. <laughs> All the guys got me, they're like, key ingredient. All the girls were like, flour, baking soda, and sugar. <laughs> All right. Cheers. 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 Yum. They're good cookies, right? They're so salty. <laughs> All right. What did, you, what did you put in the cookies? Oh my gosh. I need water. What did you, what did you put in the cookies? Eight pounds of salt? All right. All right. Friends, you guys can go to the restroom. Go do your thing. All right. Thank you. Give it up. Give it up for these guys. All right. Want the back? Um, no, I'm good, man. That was not a good idea. All right. So they made cookies. They made cookies, and instead of using sugar, apparently they used salt. That's awesome. Today, shh, shh, shh. 
You guys are still passing around. That's totally guys for you, right? You guys, how many girls are like, oh my gosh, it smells in there. And then you leave. Guys are like, ew, it smells. Smell this, <laughs> right? We just love torture. And so all the guys are passing around the cookie. Awesome. All right. Listen, today I want to talk about the key ingredient. Mackenzie, we're done here. Mackenzie, <laughs> that's the devil. Mackenzie read our text. Mackenzie read our text. And as I was looking at this text this week, I realized that Paul is calling, listen up, listen up. Paul is calling for an order, a big fat old order of unity. Paul's calling for an order of unity. But what he gives us here in the rest of this verse, he doesn't simply tell us, hey, we need unity. He gives us the key ingredient to unity. I need water, please, someone. Oh my gosh. All right, so let, let's, get, let's look at our text here, right? We're looking at the key ingredient to unity. If you want unity, if you want unity in your youth group, if you want unity in your family, if you want unity among your group of friends, you need the key ingredients, all right? You need the key ingredient. And so let's look at our text. Let's look at the first couple of verses here, okay? Open up your Bibles, Philippians chapter one, chapter two, and we're gonna do this. You with me? You got it? Philippians chapter two, if you got it, say, yup. All right, here we go. So, all right, this is important. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. All right, all right, here we go. Hey, we're serious now. So, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation in the spirit, if there's any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. The first thing we see here in our text is that you cannot run in unity without humility. You cannot run in unity without humility. And so last week, do you guys remember the metaphor from last week? Josh, you're sitting in the same spot, so come back here, right? This is what Paul is calling for. Paul wants them to run in unity. And so remember last week, for those of you who weren't here, this is the illustration. He says, having the same mind. So me and Josh are running, and what does it mean to have the same mind? We go, dude, we're going to go there. Do you agree with me? Boom, we're of the same mind. And so we're running of the same mind. We have the same love. Dude, I love that. Do you love that? Love Boom, that. we're of the same love. So we're moving together. You're so enthusiastic, Arr, passionate, right? Same mind, same love. And then it says this, look at your text. It says, being in full accord, which simply means in harmony. Smile. We're in harmony. Look at the harmony. Do you see the harmony? So we're moving toward the same goal. We're running together and he calls for unity. Take a seat right there. I like you there, right? But check this out. Look what's different though. Here's the difference between last week and this week. This week, when he calls us to unity, he reminds us of what we have, right? And so here's what he says. He says, guys, yes, I want you to run, but like, if there's any comfort from love, we're running together, we've experienced, how many of you have experienced comfort when you've come to know the love of Jesus? Do you guys know what comfort is? Like comfort is like, dude, you're feeling horrible right now. I'm gonna comfort you. He's saying that we, those of us who are running together, he reminds us, we've experienced comfort from love. 
That's why when you come into a room like this, when you come into a community like this, you, you feel like, dude, we're all like warm and we like each other. It's weird. And we actually like seeing each other. And, we, and it's like, why is this? Because we have comfort. We've experienced the same comfort of being loved by God. Comfort from love. And then, and then what else does it say? Um, if there's any comfort, if there's any participation in the spirit, like remember the table? That's what he's saying. It, guys, you're sitting at the same table. You're striving side by side for the same goal. You have all received the spirit. There's affection and there's sympathy here. And all of that, he says, guys, there's encouragement. And so if that's, why, if that's who we are, if those are the things that we're experiencing, he says, therefore, be united. Therefore, be united. And then look what he says. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little transparent moment here because he says this. He goes, guys, complete my joy. I know exactly what he's talking about, guys. I know exactly what he's talking about because as a pastor, can I tell you? As a pastor, there is nothing more satisfying than seeing the church united. Students, there's nothing that brings me more joy when I see happening in this room the very thing that God died for, and it's you guys being united with each other. Do you know how much that, that completes my joy? I mean, this dude is in prison, and he says, hey, I just want one thing. Not a get-out-of-jail-free card, not send me some money. Not, he goes, dude, I'm in prison, but you know what? I'll be all right if I have one thing. I'll be joyful if I have one thing. I just want to hear that you guys are united. Man. I understand that heart. I get it, friends. But then I also see the flip side. Do you know how much it breaks our hearts as pastors and leaders when we see the very thing that God died for? Unity? Not happening? Do you know how much that breaks my heart? Do you know how heavy my heart becomes when I go home and I can't even sleep at night when I hear about students not being in unity, but students being in disunity and being in friction? He calls for unity because... That's what God intended. That it completes his joy. It completes his joy. But you guys, as, I do, as, as am I, we stink sometimes, right? We stink sometimes. We say this every week. Sometimes I'm not easy to live with. Sometimes you're not going to like me. Sometimes I'm going to say things that I wish I didn't say, and then I'm going to apologize, and then I'm going to say them again anyway, because that's who we are. We're sinful human beings, friends. We know how hard it is to get unity. We know how difficult it is. There always seems to be friction, right? Do you guys ever feel like going to school every day is like a different episode of a soap opera? How many people have ever felt that? We're like, dude, I really feel like there's a camera like in here because this is just a different episode, right? It's like, I hate you. And then the next day I love you, but I hate you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Next episode, I hate you. It's like, what is happening? We know how difficult it is to have unity. But here's the good news for you guys today, okay? Here is the key ingredient to having unity. Here's the key ingredient. If you want unity, if you want to get rid of that friction, here's the key ingredient. Let's look at verse three, okay? Look at your text. Do nothing from, what does it say? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But... Contrast, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but instead, don't use those ingredients, don't use salt in your cookies, don't use selfish ambition or conceit, instead, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. 
Let each of you citizens look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. So we see here, what's the key ingredient? It's humility. Humility is the key ingredient. And let me explain to you why. Can I have you again, dude? We're gonna do this all day, bro. We're dancing. I told you where your dancing shoes, right? He, he warns, he says humility is the key ingredient. And look what he warns against. He warns against what he calls your selfish ambition and conceit. Selfish ambition and conceit. Do you guys know what it means to be conceited? No, I'm 13. <laughs> no, I'm 13. Great answer. Okay, silence! Selfish ambition and conceit is this. I am most important. Say, I'm most important. I'm most important. Don't say that. Are you, you're so full of yourself. Are you kidding me? Stop it. Oh my goodness, right? Selfish ambition and conceit says, I am most important. My needs, my desires, my pursuits. Hey, that's all that matters. So forget you, right? And so, shh. And so here we are. We're running, right? Have you ever tried to run with a person like this? Have you ever tried to run have you ever tried to do life with a person who says, I'm most important? And so remember, where are we pointing when we have the same love? We're pointing there, right? You're going, you're going, but I'm actually more important this way, right? No, 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 I'm going, I'm more, go you're way. not as important as me. Stop it, hey. stop, <laughs> right? When you try to run with a person that way, what happens is you end up splitting up. There's not unity anymore, we're not in harmony, we're in dissonance, we're in disharmony. I'm conceited, I think that I'm the most important. And then here's actually what happens. I'm gonna be super real with you, citizens. When you start living and do, trying to run with someone who's conceited, this is what you do, right? So now you're me. You're, he's the conceited one. He starts thinking his pursuits are more important and now I get mad. Not because he's, being a, not, because he's not being Christ-like, because I'm actually more important, right? So we get mad when other people are treating their ideas as most important because in reality, who do we think is most important? Me, me, right? And so you cannot run with selfish ambition and conceit. And so here's the key ingredient. Put, put it up on the screen. The key ingredient is humility. And here's my definition of humility. Having a proper view of who you are. Humility is simply this. Having a proper view of who you are. And so I don't think that I'm the most important person in the world. I don't act like my needs are more important than everybody else's. That's not a proper view of who I am. But then friends, have you ever met somebody who had false humility? Do you guys know what false humility is? This is what, this is what a person says. They go, you know what? I don't want to be conceited. And so I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm not important. I'm not really good at anything. I just, you know, I'm not even valuable. You shouldn't even be my friend. I'm not, I'm humble. Guys, that's not humble. That's not humility. That's false humility. What's the definition of humility? a proper view of who you are. And so you know that you're not the man and then some. You know that you're not all that in a bag of chips. You know you're not the most important thing in the world, but at the same time, you know that you still matter, right? Humility doesn't say, I don't matter. But it says, I'm not all that matters. Does that make sense? Students, does that make sense? Can you understand that the two sides, the two extremes, when you're trying to be humble, Humility, doesn't say, humility does not say, I don't matter to anyone. Humility says, no, I matter. I'm just not the only one that matters. And so that's humility. Remembering that it's not all about you will enable you to put others' needs before your own. And so if I'm trying to run with someone here, and I say, wait a minute, I'm not all that matters. My pursuits are not the only thing in life. That now gives me the ability 
to put his needs before my own, to see somebody else's needs. That's humility, okay? And so my question for you is, when was the last time that you put somebody else's needs before your own? Think about it. When was the last time that you intentionally inconvenienced yourself for someone else? You're like, I remember like when I was in fifth grade once that I, uh, <laughs> I remember like two years ago, I had a moment and I was just, when was the last time? You know what a really practical way of humility is? Right, humility, do I have to go serve in a soup kitchen? No, let me, let me give you a very practical example of humility. How do you walk into a room? How do you walk into the room? A humble person, they have a proper view of who they are. A conceited person says, I'm all that matters. And so when you walk into a room, do you walk in and you're like, all right, there's the door. Bam! Your boy arrived. Here I am, everybody. Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. You're not looking at me. I'm the most important. Lisa, look at me. Look at, yeah, right? That's right. Yeah, here we go, right? And so we walk into rooms, and we may not literally say that, but we think that. We walk into the room, we're like, all right, how do I look? All right, I'm good. And it's like, look at me. And we have, I mean, in this room, we are look at me people at times. That's a very practical example of not being humble. But you know what a humble person does when they walk into a room? A humble person doesn't say, here I am. A humble person says, there you are. There you are. They already have a posture that is bent toward, dude, it's, you're more important than me. And so when they walk into a room, they're, they're aware of others. And they're going, dude, how are you feeling? How are you sensitive? And so I see you, you're not like super like in a good mood. So I'm not gonna come like, ha ha, I see you're not in a good mood, but I don't care because I'm always important, so admire me. And I'm gonna say, oh, I'm actually gonna match my tone with you. How are you doing? Everything okay? I'm, and I'm being sensitive, right? A humble person doesn't say, here I am. They go, there you are. You ever talk to someone like that? You ever like have a conversation with someone and it's as if they were looking for you all day? Dude, hey, you, it's so good to see you. And you're like, were you looking for me? Like you're genuinely this excited to see me? That's how I want to be humble. I want to have a proper view of who I am. And a proper view knows that I'm not the man. <laughs> a proper view knows that you're not the most important person in the world. A proper view understands more than other people that you're sinful, you're flawed, but you're valuable. And so you'll live like that. That's humility, okay? That's humility. And now let's finish up with the second half of this passage. Here's the second half of the passage. And here's my question. You guys know I ask this all the time. What's my question? Why? Paul, he calls for unity and he says the key ingredient to unity is humility. So be humble. Don't be conceited. Put other people's needs before your own. And if you're a, a thinking student here, as you read your Bible, you're asking yourself, why? Why? Why are you trying to put me in a box, Sam? So what if I'm not humble? So what if I'm conceited? I don't, why is that a big deal? Why should you be humble, young men? Ladies, why should you not be conceited? Let's look at the text. Look at it, verse five with me. He says, have this mind, talking about a humble mind, a humble mentality. Follow along with me, guys. Here we go. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, let me tell you about Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but instead he made himself nothing taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men 
And then being found in human form, he humbled himself even more by becoming obedient to the point of death. Oh wait, even death on a cross. So here we, we, we know why we're being humble. We're called to follow the leader. Students, you're called to play, follow the leader, okay? It's not just a third grade game, it's a Christian game, okay? And here Paul, he's saying, hey, young men and young women, I want you to be humble, not because people will like you more. I want you to be humble, not because God will accept you more. I want you to be humble, not because it's the moral thing to do and you wanna be a good church kid. He says, no, 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 I'm calling you to be humble because this is the way that Jesus thought. And this is huge. Students, please understand me because the last thing I ever wanna be accused of in the world is Sam wants us to be good boys and girls, right? And there's some people like that where it's almost like, you know what, if I just come in and I just like fold my hands, everybody's like looking at their hands now, right? <laughs> if I cross my arms, no, I'm kidding, right? You come in and you're like, if I just behave and I bring my Bible and I follow all the rules, then Sam and the other youth staff leaders will think I'm a good kid. Ah, I don't care. Are you kidding me? You could be the best behaved kid in the world, friends. That's not why we're here. We're not here to change your behavior. We're here to introduce you to the God who will change your heart. Do you understand me? And so Paul here, he gets to the motivation of the heart. He says, I want you to follow Jesus because when you became a Christian, you said you would follow him. You follow that? You understand what I'm saying? He says, when you became a follower of Jesus, you're not simply like... Um, like right now we're playing Frisbee, right? Anybody playing Frisbee with us on Saturdays, right? We're, play, we're playing Frisbees on Saturdays and there's like this like, that we call it the draft where there's this time where we start to put colors on people and we go, and now with the third pick of the draft, the blue team, Josh Holman. And we put blue on him. Dude, you could have not played that per more perfectly, right? And so now he is associated with the blue team, okay? But following Jesus is not simply, oh, I'm being associated with him. Oh yeah, I hang out with his people. Oh yeah, I go to church. I wear the Jesus jersey. No, no, when you choose to follow Jesus, it's more than just associating with him. You're actually surrendering your life to him. You're actually coming to Jesus and you're saying, I want you to show me how life is supposed to be lived. I give up control. When you follow Jesus, you're giving him the keys to your life and you're saying, show me. I wanna follow you, I want you to be my Lord, I want you to be my master. And so Paul, talking to you, who have surrendered your life to Jesus, he goes, hey, let me show you his example. He was humble. The one who you asked to show you how to live, he was humble. And so Christ's example here is very important for you guys because it's more than just a suggestion. I mean, here's the way it worked for Jesus. So I mean, you just find your own path and <laughs> Jesus, it worked for him. It's, it, Jesus' example is more than a suggestion. It's actually a model. It's a model, all right? He's calling us to play follow the leader. And so can we do that? Can we look at his example? Look at those verses again. This is powerful, powerful stuff. He says that he was in the form of God. He was in the form of God. That's tight right there because it's past tense. Meaning, where was Jesus before he was born as a baby? He existed. <laughs> before he was in the form of a baby, he was in the form of God. When was Jesus born? Well, you know, in zero AD, but he preexisted forever. John says that he was with God before time began. 
That's powerful. So Jesus, he was in the form of God. He was deity himself. He was part of the Godhead. He was the son of God, the the second member of the Trinity. He was in the form of God, but he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So here he is. He doesn't need to grasp at deity. God's not in heaven saying, please give me some deity. Give me your power. He goes, I don't need to grasp for it. I'm in the very nature of God. And yet, Jesus, who's in the very nature of God, look what he does. I I need to get higher here, okay? Because you need to see the illustration without me ripping my pants, preferably, right? And And so here he is. He was in the form of God. He didn't have to grasp for it. Deity was there. And yet, he made himself nothing. Literally, he emptied himself. He took the form of a servant, Stop right there. What are you, what are you doing? God, Jesus, you're God. You're taking the form of a servant? Yeah. I'm being born in the likeness of man. God became man? It, you can't descend any lower, can you? Friends, can you give up more privilege? He had all the privileges of the Godhead, and yet he became a man, a creature. The creator became a creature. What are we talking about here? You can't get any lower than that. Oh, wait, yes, you can. Because he wasn't just any old man. He was found in human form and he humbled himself even more by becoming obedient to the point of death. So not only is God going to become a man, he's going to die as a man. Are, are you kidding me? Do you know who I am? Right? That's what's going through our head, right? When somebody disrespects us even a little bit, right? Hey, I heard you're a sophomore. I'm a senior. <laughs> Do not descend me two steps, right? God just descended like a trillion steps. What? He didn't only become a human, he was gonna die as a human. How do you get much lower than that? Oh wait, there's more. Not only was he gonna die as a human, but he was going to die on a cross. Who died on crosses? Convicts, criminals, evildoers. Yeah, messed up dudes. So God of the entire universe, he came down and he said, I'm going to take the lowest position in society. I'm going to die the death of a criminal. Jesus, he put aside his own privileges and instead treated somebody else's needs, your needs, as more important. You need, friends, if I'm not doing a good job at explaining this, you need to go home, you need to look at this because we need to gaze at Jesus. Youth group is not about saying, do this, do this, don't do this. Youth group is causing all of us to look at who Jesus is and to fall in love with him. Hearing preaching is not about, tell me what I can do to be a better behaved person. No, no, preaching is about saying, look at how powerful Jesus is. Look at how great he is. And I pray that by the spirit, your hearts would go, man, that's beautiful. Man, I love Jesus. Man, I admire Jesus, the man. Yes, he is the man, but just, I mean, the human being. He's the man. He's the man. He's the man. He's the man. (laughs) Preach it, Aloe Black. Preach it. And so here we have Jesus giving up every privilege available to him, sacrificing it willingly. Willingly. And then here's the gutter, right? Like, here's the gut shot. Have you ever had somebody like disrespect you so much that you were just like, your mouth almost fell open and you're like, oh. have, you ever, have you ever been so disrespected? Like, have you, like, how, I can't even, like imagine, imagine like, 
I'm not even gonna imagine. Let's just use a scripture verse, right? Look at the scripture verse. John 1, 10, you're like, Sam, you're speechless? That's a first, I know. It won't happen again, I promise. Look at John chapter one, verse 10. The ultimate gut shot, the ultimate diss, the ultimate kick in the face, right? Jesus, look what it says about him. He was in the world. Everybody got that? Look up here. He was in the world. Make sense? He was born in the world. The world was made through him. Oh, that's kind of a cool thought. He made the world and then he like was born onto it. That's kind of cool. But yet the world did not know him. <laughs> the world did not know him. Like imagine you walk, like imagine you build a house, right? And you build a mansion. I mean, it is gorgeous. You build a house and you're like, yo, that is fine. Man, I love this house, right? And you're proud of it. You're so proud of it that you're gonna go down there to the house to show everybody your genius. <laughs> and so you walk into the house and everybody's looking around like, wow, this is beautiful. Wow. And you're like, <clears throat> don't recognize me. <clears throat> like, what? Shut up. We're admiring the house. Who did this? Oh my God. <clears throat> right? And then finally like, you know what, dude? Do you have a problem? You go, shut up and get out. And then they kick you out before you even say a word. How many of you are like, oh no, they didn't, right? Oh no, I'm gonna burn the house down with them in it, right? That's an unsanctified thought, right? I'm just, I'm just saying though, man, you know? Jesus, he didn't create a house. He created the earth. He hung the stars in the sky and then he stood on it and the world did not know him. And you know what? He loved the world anyway. That's humility, putting others, people, other people's needs before yourself. Remember my definition of humility earlier? I said, remembering that it's not all about you enables you to put others' needs before your own, right? Remembering that it's not all about you, it will help you treat other people's needs as more important. You know what the problem with Jesus was though? It was all about him. You know what, it's not all about you. So look to somebody else. He came and he's like, it is all about me. And I still am gonna look at other people's needs. So that's humility, okay? That's humility. And then look at this part here that I wanna highlight for you guys because this is where, this is the problem. I'm gonna be up here and I'm painting this grand picture of humility. And here's what you guys are doing. I'm watching you. You're doing this. You're like, I'm listening. Humble other people's needs. Don't be conceited. I hate my life, <laughs> right? You guys are like literally, you're sinking in your chairs and you're like, how could I ever hope to be that? How could I ever have this? What? How could I ever hope to be like Jesus who went from heaven to a gutter when I can't even stand my little sister talking to me the way that she does, right? Like, how could I ever be there, Sam? There's no hope for me. Move on without me. I guess I'm not cut out to be a Christian. I guess you're not cut out to be humble students. So I should just give up on all of you guys, right? Why am I even bothering? I don't know. Why am I wasting my breath? I don't know Shh, why. I hate goodbyes. <laughs> when you're so aware of your own selfishness, have you ever been there? Have you ever been so aware of your own selfishness that you, the word humility just sounds like an impossibility? Come on, how many of you share a bathroom in the morning? Come on, be honest, right? Have you ever been so aware of your own selfishness at six in the morning when you have to share a bathroom and you're trying to get ready for school? It is Survivor, the grand finale right there, right? Here's the secret. You guys wanna know the secret? I'm gonna write a book, Three Easy Steps to Humility. 
by Jesus, <laughs> right? No, no, but seriously, here's, here's, the, here's the hope, friends. Here's the hope that you guys can, can be humble. Here's the hope that you guys can have the key ingredient for unity. Here's the hope. Not only do you have the example of Jesus, you also have the mind of Jesus. Gotta listen to me here, please. If you haven't heard anything yet, listen to me for this. You can have hope for humility because not only can you look at Jesus' example, you also have in here Jesus' mind. Jesus' mind, right? Not only his example, but his mind. Look what it says in verse five. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna do some gymnastics here. Listen to me. He says, I want you to have this mentality. I want you to have this mind. By the way, it's already yours. What does that mean? What do you mean it's mine in Christ Jesus? Here's what I mean. And this is, where, this is why I do what I do. This is why I live and love with students like you. Because when God saves you, friends, when God saves you, he doesn't simply give you some external rules the Holy Spirit actually comes and lives inside of you. The Spirit of Jesus actually comes and lives inside of you and he begins to work on you. And he comes to Kira and he saves her and he says, I'm gonna change you. I'm gonna, sh- I'm gonna create in you the image of my son. And you know, God is actively working in you. And he comes, Jess, I, he saved her. He brought her into the family. He goes, I'm gonna start doing a work on her. And so boom, he's in there and, he's, and he's in there. his spirit comes in and he moves in. And so that's why some of you guys, how many of you guys can remember times when you weren't Christians? How many of you guys, raise them high. How many of you can remember a time before you were Christian? Okay, good, good. I grew up in church, but I remember the times in my life before I surrendered fully. And I'll tell you what, I did certain things before I was a Christian and you know how I felt after I did them? Not a big deal. I would do whatever I wanted and you know what? Not a big deal. I know my parents probably wouldn't like this, but like me personally, that's not a big deal. And here's what happened though, friends. Do you remember when you became a Christian? Do you remember how the things you used to do that didn't bother you, all of a sudden you were conflicted? Do you remember the conviction of God on your soul when you said, wait a minute, I don't know what it is. I did this my whole life, but something inside of me says this is not right anymore. That is evidence that someone new has just moved into your heart. There's evidence, it's like a little sign on your front door when it's like, for sale, sold. Somebody new has just moved into your heart and it's the Holy Spirit, that's the sign. That's what this was, right? It's hanging in front of my house, the for sale sign, you know? Tough crowd. You're, not con- you're, you're, you're conflicted by the things you used to do. And it's because when you become a Christian, friends, God begins actively working in your life. The Spirit comes inside of you. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all are being transformed into the same image, Jesus, from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Spirit is inside of you, making you more like Jesus. And so inside of you, you have the mind of Christ. Inside of you, you have this mentality. Because when Jesus saved you, he put his mind, his values, his priorities, he put those inside of you. And so friends, do you want to be humble? Listen to the prompting of the Spirit 
You already have the mentality. You already have that little voice that says, man, this is not the way Jesus would be because he's trying to show you. You have that. And so you listen to the prompting of the spirit. And what is the spirit telling you, friends? What is the little voice inside of you, which is the spirit of Christ? What is he telling you in those moments? He's telling you to follow Jesus, take the path of humility. And that's the message for today. To follow Jesus. If you're gonna be walking as a youth group, right? Dude, we're dancing shoes. If you're gonna be walking as a youth group, right? And you wanna follow Jesus, do you know which road you have to take? Wait, which way do we go? I don't have my GPS. Oh man, do I go this way? Do I go this way? No, no. To follow Jesus, you need to take the path of humility. And so you're walking on the path of humility. You're saying, look at Christ. This is the way that Christ walked. That's why we have his example. Look at the way that Christ walked. He set aside his privileges to meet someone else's needs. So I'm gonna follow him. Step there, right? And then we step there. To follow Jesus, you wanna be a follower of Christ? Take the path of humility. Thank you. You're trying to be like Jesus? Follow the path of humility. Put others' needs before yourself. And then the result of this, number three, and finally, if you follow the leader, you will arrive with the leader. If you follow Jesus down the path of humility, you're going to arrive where he arrived. And look what it says, the final verses. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. You know what it means to exalt? You do this. Raise the roof, right? Just lift it up. You raise it up, right? You exalt it. You put it higher. He's exalted him and he's bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so Jesus, he took the path of humility, but he experienced this great reversal, right? In society today, it says, dude, you want to get up? Oh, oh, you want to be first? Then, dude, you got to be savage. Oh, in sports, you want to get noticed? Then, dude, you got to be like a bulldog. You want to get attention? Then you have to ignore everybody else around you and focus on you. But in the kingdom of God, there's a different principle. It says, oh, you want to be first? Be last. Oh, you want recognition and honor? Don't seek it yourself. Seek others' recognition and honor. And then God will exalt you at the end. This is what he says in Matthew uh, uh, 23. He says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Do you see how that works here? In God's society, the people who choose the path of humility actually will be honored one day. If you choose to honor yourself now, if you choose to try to be like, dude, it's all about me, you're gonna be in for a rude awakening one day in eternity. But for those who live on the path of humility like Jesus did and focus on other people, they who are choosing to be last now at the end of eternity, they will be first and God will give them honor and recognition. So if you're following Jesus on the path to humility, you will also arrive where Jesus has arrived. No, you will not be worshiped by every uh, tongue and knee. Let me be clear. Like, Yes, I get to be the savior of the world. That's bad theology and I'm fired. Thank you very much. No, but seriously, but, but the exaltation, the honor, the recognition, that's what Paul is talking about here in Romans and elsewhere. And so here's, here's the ending, friends. Are you wanting to follow Jesus? You want to? Seriously, you want to follow Jesus? You want to shape your life the way that he shaped his life? Do you want him to teach you what it looks like to live? Then you need to take the path that he took. You need to follow in his footsteps. And the path that he took was the one toward humility. To follow Jesus 
take the path of humility.